one thing that I'm coming to be more conscious of is that one of the effects of original sin is that we lose awareness of the real purpose of life and how fleeting life is that we are moving towards our destiny in heaven and we need to see this present life in terms of eternity in heaven all as one reality and as Saint Ignatius says in the ex spiritual exercises think about the moment of your death and how would you have liked to live then how blessed if we realize this now in what am I using my life, my time? What is God's will for this day? And I'm not speaking about doing grandiose things. In my ordinary life, am I constantly in the presence of Christ? My dear family, not only is this possible, but this is why Jesus died on the cross. So that we be really one with him. Christianity is not simply observance of laws, but rather it is a new life in the Holy Spirit whereby we participate in divine life and we are able to have the thoughts of Christ, the heart of Christ, and we become Christ on earth, truly. So in this present moment, Jesus Christ is historically present in the world through those who are sanctified and make his presence by their communion with him. We are the body of Christ. And against this, we are facing a growing current of a world that is trying to seduce us to live absorbed in all kinds of entertainment and distractions. It seems that we all have to have not only email anymore, but now it's email and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the websites. And we want to be in all the channels Sometimes I see people that are in two of those things at the same time, looking at two screens and just browsing everything. And, we, and a lot of that stuff is just stories and uh, recycled things that somebody else sends. And it's just something to laugh 
in a moment and pass it by. The point is we need to be careful. I believe that technology has a good purpose. I use it, but I'm, I think I have to be always praying to see if I'm using the technology or is the technology using me? There was a very interesting article by Mark Mallet called Corralling. You know how they, the a rancher will gather up the cows and the bulls, you know, the animals, and put them in a corral, and then they are sold in the market for, for meat. And he is warning us, we are being corralled. We are being drawn by the tentacles of this culture into a mode of thinking, into a way of life that is more and more um, aggressive against the Christian values to the point that in many parishes, the hard sayings of Christ, the authentic teaching of the church is never mentioned. We prefer to keep it light, keep everybody happy, keep everybody comfortable. But Jesus did not come to keep us comfortable. He came to bring us to a new life which requires for us to get out of our comfort zone, to be challenged, to be a victim soul doesn't happen if we are trapped into the craving for comfort and entertainment. It's a constant turning to the Lord. My dear family, and yet, this is the path to true happiness. Only as we live the ordinary life, moved in the love of Christ, discerning properly, not allowing ourselves to be absorbed by all these distractions, so that our minds are truly being fed by the word of God every day. And this takes priority. So I invite you to, to, to reflect on this. Is my life every day moved by the word of God? Am I in a sacramental communion with the Lord because I have Jesus in the Eucharist all the time in my heart and I go to him as much as I can to adore him? to worship him. And then as the path teaches us, this is an ongoing process of learning the path, of being open to see my own true self, 
and the lies that I have assimilated. And it's so hard to acknowledge that, to continue this journey of self-knowledge, this journey of renouncing to the lies, proclaiming the truths in my life, and choosing constantly what often is most difficult. Not only are we passing by very quickly, but also our brothers, our sisters, our family. It is now the time to gaze upon each other's eyes with love, with more realization that we are encountering Christ. It's now the time to give up our attitudes that are keeping us in friction we have to discover when we are in turmoil, when we are in some kind of inner bother, what's going on in me? And see the pettiness, the attitudes that keep me in bondage and repent and really allow the Lord to touch those wounds so that we be healed. Reading uh, Mark Mallet, I thought about the importance of taking very seriously the signs of the times, not to speculate, not to come up with um, hypothesis about the future, but simply to live in Christ and respond to him. The Lord said in Luke 12, 54 and following, hypocrites, you know how to explore the aspects of the earth and the heavens. Why then do you not discern the signs of the times? Jesus is challenging that generation and calling them hypocrites because they were not willing to discover that God was in their midst. That the signs that were evident in front of them should tell them that the time had come, that the Messiah is here. But this challenge of the Lord is also important for every generation. It's a hypocrisy to be able to have sense of other things that are practical in the practical level and then not to be open to the wisdom of God to see how to really respond to what God is doing. And this means that when we see God speaking to us, when the Lord gives us a word, and we all have come to moments where through a reading of a scripture, through a teaching in the community, 
while reading the path or even through a situation with somebody, you discover something. God gives you an insight. God gives you a moment that you see the signs of the times or you see the truth about yourself. But then we have a responsibility to pursue that, to, to respond to it and enter into that direction. How many people saw Jesus? They were amazed. They were interested to see the signs. But then they went along with their lives as usual. If we have come to discover by the grace of God that we are called to be covenanted in this community of love crucified, if we have come to appreciate the path as wisdom of God given to us to apply the gospel in a very practical way to our lives, then think of the responsibility to follow through, to take seriously this engaging on accompaniment, this walking and living this way all the time. The prophet Amos said, God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. When God wants something known, he speaks through the church. He speaks through his prophets. He speaks to us also for our personal life. He speaks to us in the community because he loves us so. So we're not just in a current and just flowing. We are being guided by the spirit and we need to move in discipline and attentiveness with clarity and to be able to renounce and discard things that are keeping us from fully living what God wants us to live. There is a widespread reluctance among many in the church to be attentive to the Holy Spirit because we simply do not expect the Spirit to really lead the church or lead our personal lives. So we feel more comfortable securing ourselves in structures, obeying certain laws and remaining there. And I say to you that without ever going against the teaching of the church, of course, because that is the foundation, we need to be attentive because the church teaches us that the spirit continues to give us understanding. And that's very clear in the Second Vatican Council. 
the church continues to be guided by the spirit and we in the church need to be growing in understanding on what the truth means a particular example of this mercy mercy is biblical but we all know how we have grown into a deeper understanding of mercy through Jesus teaching Saint Faustina. We all know about the Holy Spirit and again through the gift of the charismatic renewal we have come to become more aware of the gift of the Spirit in our times and on and on. We grow through the teaching of the modern popes Paul VI, John Paul II, Pope Benedict, Pope Francis. This is the way that God is moving us to come to a greater awareness, and these are also signs of the times. Not only the bad things that are happening, but also the work of God, so that we are able to face the darkness with the light that he is giving us. And we are, therefore, in this time where we see an increase of darkness, but we also see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And this, I think, we are, all are experiencing in our community, this strength of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. This is what John Paul II uh, referred to as a new and divine holiness. And those of you who have read the book, The New and Divine Holiness, it's amazing the exemplars of this new and divine holiness that the Lord is raising up saints with a understanding, with a participation in, the, in divine life like never before. Why? Because as the church progresses to its final encounter with, in the parousia with, with uh, the end of times, the church continues to grow in the spirit. And so we are beneficiaries of knowledge, of understanding by the gift of God that can make us be great saints we have more than before, this outpouring of grace. And that's why saints like St. Louis Grignon de Montfort said that there will be a time that, that is coming that we will see the greatest saints like never before. But we can be part of this new and divine holiness. We are called to be great saints because the greatest work of the holy spirit is sanctification one of the great mistakes that have been done is to become focused on the gifts on the power of, the, of god to do healings the power of god to expel demons and whatever and forgetting that the main 
work of the Holy Spirit is sanctification. And we're all, because that is a gift that God wants for all. The gifts, he gives some to, to one person, others to another person. St. Paul tells us that some are teachers, some are prophets, etc. But we're all called to be sanctified. We're all called to renounce to the ways of the world and to believe and to seek God in a new way and to focus our lives in a total surrender to Christ and allowing God to work in our hearts, to work in our minds. One of the things that has come to my awareness in a greater way is the sacred heart. I've become now more aware that what the sacred heart is revealing to us is that Jesus is making himself vulnerable, exposing himself, exposing his entrails, his depth of his heart. This is vulnerability. We go through life hiding our hearts because we're afraid of what can happen if we expose our hearts. We allow others the power to hurt us if we expose our feelings, if we expose the depth of who we are. So that is a hardened heart. Jesus is the opposite. He brings his heart out of his body and presents it to St. Margaret and says, behold the heart who so loves the world and only receives indifference, disdain. At least you love me. Well, by saying that, to each one of us, Jesus is risking indifference again, rejection, and that's what he still gets. He has exposed his heart in this way, and uh, we go to him to ask things, we, we go to him to try to get something, but we miss the point that he's exposing his heart so we get to know the way he thinks, the way he feels, the way he acts, so that we make it our own. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We are receiving amazing powers, amazing graces, but also we are facing amazing opposition. At this very time, we have four cardinals in the church convicted in the whole scandals of um, um, sexual abuse. Probably some are not guilty because in the battle that we're in, my dear family, anybody who accuses a priest or a bishop or a cardinal doesn't need to have any proof so for the purpose of a revenge or a vendetta or some you just uh, are angry against the bishop angry against the cardinal is the easiest thing to accuse and to have them in deep deep trouble even to the extent of going to jail 
to having to renounce to his ministry, renounce even to the exercise of priestly ministry. So do you think bishops and priests are not aware of this? And don't you think that weighs on them this fear, I better not say something or do something. So what happens is the prophetic power of the priesthood is compromised because we don't want to get into any trouble. And if I speak the truth, if I speak about controversial issues, there can be a fanatic, an angry person in the congregation that can get back at me and destroy me very easily. Are we going to go forward? In addition to, to this culture that is increasingly angry against the church, some are saying that in the West, the church is being perceived more and more as an agent of evil and is despised. They just had a study that concluded that 37% of Catholics in the United States, that's more than a third, are considering leaving the church because of the scandals. This is the signs of the times. For a moment after 1989, we thought that communism was defeated. That was another ruse of the devil. Communism, perhaps, is stronger than ever. It's a greater threat than ever. Communist China, by all measures, is rising up to be the new military and economic superpower. And along with it, it's becoming more and more aggressive both against the people inside as towards those outside. Russia is also involved in many things. For example, why do you think we have this problem in Venezuela? Well, especially Russia is making sure as much as they can by providing military assistance and everything else so that the communist can have another foothold in this hemisphere. And they're getting away with it. I remember my mother, I was only nine years old when we were just leaving Cuba. There was a Hungarian, no, that was, uh, not when we were leaving, that was when the communists just took over in 1959. So I was eight years old. My mother told me the story later again. She was in the car with a Hungarian lady. And the Hungarian lady kept on telling my mom, don't you realize what's happening to your country? Don't you realize it's falling under communism? And my mother thought this lady, honestly, she thought this lady was crazy. Communism in the continent of America, 90 miles away from the United States, it's impossible. Impossible. 
Well, still there, 60 years later. This is the series of the battle. Now Venezuela, a country that is so rich in oil, and these people are living a great tragedy right next to Colombia. Is the rest of America gonna say, oh no, nothing's gonna happen here. Look at the mentality of your people. Look what is going on in every election, how close we're getting to having the other countries as well fall. This is the battle we're in. We don't know between the red dragon and uh, the seduction of the digital electronic modern world uh, absorbing us with all this information that has us all the time distracted. We have this uh, great battle. And in all of this, we know we have a mission. Now listen well, this is I think very important. Our mission is not just survival. Our mission is not just to make it and stay faithful. The Lord has given a mission to love crucified, to be a faithful remnant, to prepare the way for a new Pentecost and for the triumph of the Immaculate Heart and our Lord Jesus. We are not just focused on making it, we have to be focused on being the warriors that get on our horses and the Lord can use for these decisive times. I was talking to Hector today, laying on his bed, and we were talking about this, and I said, Hector, you are a great warrior. It's this way that Satan and its minions are gonna be defeated. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? The red dragon, China with uh, all its military might and Russia and all the seduction of the media is gonna be defeated by a faithful remnant in a hidden life, some sick, prostrated in bed, others living the ordinary life, the hidden life, just united with Jesus every day, my brothers and sisters, this is gonna require greater and greater faith to believe, to believe that this is true, that we hold this hidden power. Because sometimes factors of this world are gonna make us doubt. I wanted to read to you now some words of Pope Benedict, a homily from Pope Benedict. He said, we see this power, the force of the red dragon in new and different ways. It exists in the form of materialistic ideologies that tell us it is absurd to think of God. It is absurd 
to observe God's commandments. They are a leftover from a time past. And my dear family, we're seeing this even in, in our Christian communities, accepting homosexuality, accepting same-sex unions, accepting all kinds of immorality. Nobody talks about anymore about contraception or anything like that. Abortion is the law of, of the land and so on. It takes a lot of courage to connect this with the Antichrist. Because you see, the Antichrist, St. John said, was there already from the beginning. The Antichrist is any person or force that does not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so all this um, powerful dictators that come up through time are little or big antichrist. They are not the antichrist that will come at the end of time, but they are antichrists that are showing up through history. So think about antichrists of today that are opposing the word of God, opposing the way of Christ. The, the head of uh, the beast showing up through all the lies that we get through the media and so forth. So I go on now with the, whole, with the Holy Father. The world telling us it's absurd to observe God's commandments. They are le they're left over from time past. Life is only worth living for its own sake. Isn't that true? That's what we hear people are absorbed into their hobbies, into their sports, into the things that are going on. Everything is lived in the surface. The Pope says, take everything we can get in this brief moment of life. That's the mindset, right, of the world. Take all you can. Consumerism, selfishness, and entertainment alone are worthwhile. That's the Pope depicting the, the modern culture. I am thinking this Saturday, Marcela and Orlando are gonna get married. How blessed they are to go to their marriage with the knowledge of the meaning of marriage in Christ. Most people get married, they don't even know what they're doing. It's just horizontal, it's just a, you know, wonderful, we love one another, how they're full of ideas and fantasies about their wedding and life ever after. But Orlando and Marcella and all of us who are in Christ have come to value, to understand that marriage is a reflection on earth of the marriage of Jesus Christ and his bride. And they are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they love one another in this love of Christ and be witnesses to the world of the love of Christ. And they know the challenge that this means because they have to die to themselves. They have to die to their attitudes to truly love as Christ requires for us to be crucified every day. 
And finally, I wanted to share another uh, passage from Pope Benedict showing us the importance of coming to understand more and more in the right way the book of Revelations, the meaning of the apocalypse, not to come up with dates or with uh, strange um, fantasies, but to understand it in a sober way, in a, in a way that really helps us to face our battle. The Pope says, the apocalypse speaks about God's antagonist, the beast. This animal does not have a name, but a number. In the horror of the concentration camps, they canceled faces and history, transforming man into a number, reducing him to a cog in an enormous machine. Man is no more than a function. In our days, we should not forget that they prefigured the destiny of a world that runs the risk of adopting the same structures of the concentration camp. Did you get that? The Pope is saying that what happened in Auschwitz and in the other concentration camps is a prefiguration of where we are heading in the world as they are corralling us into a concentration camp where we are controlled by the system and by the government. And the Pope says this will happen when the universal law of the machine is accepted. The machines that have been constructed to impose the same law. According to this logic, man must be interpreted by a computer. And this is only possible if translated into numbers. The beast is a number and transforms into numbers. God, however, has a name and calls by name. He is a person and looks for the person. So now we understand why the beast has a number and we understand the danger of being reduced to numbers. In the communist system, you have value according to your place in the machine. You have no name, you have no identity, no history. And this is the battle that we're in now. And remember, God will win. But in the process, there will be all kinds of martyrs. How blessed we are. We can have the red martyrdom or the white martyrdom or both, like Maximilian Kolbe. 
but we will be interiorly martyrs of love. Remember, Maximilian Kolbe also was given a number. He also was in a concentration camp, but they were not able to defeat him. He is a canonized saint. He was victorious and is an example for us because the goal here is not to save our skin. The goal here is to be part of that remnant that will bring forth through our faith this new Pentecost. Another interesting thing uh, to keep in mind is um, why are people today so avid to be tattooed? You see what's going on? If in the book of Revelations it tells us that they will put a mark on us in a culture that everybody's already tattooing themselves, it's going to make it a lot easier for government to say, you know, we need to put a mark on you, and through this mark, you will be identified and you will have a lot of benefits. You will be able to buy, to sell. You don't, don't even have to carry a credit card anymore because it will be embedded into you. And so out of practicality and convenience, uh, the tattoo is a way that we're being prepared by the enemy to accept more and more uh, being part of the system. So just beware. And finally, we had a, a, um, a young man from Colombia visiting us here, uh, not here, I'm in Miami now. He was with us and with Maria and Daniel at the refuge. A wonderful young man uh, from Colombia filled with the Holy Spirit. And we were sharing with him how, because he's very um, interested on evangelization and how the temptation today is numbers, success, how many people you have on Twitter, how many people you have on your Facebook. And it seems to us that that's a mark of the importance of the work you're doing. So I raise the question, who is the most successful religious man in history? You know who he is? Mohammed. He now has more followers than Jesus. And millions and millions fanatically follow him. Now, who is the most defeated, the most humiliated? Jesus Christ. He is, humanly speaking, a total failure. That's how the man in Emmaus walking, saying, you know, we thought he was going to be the Messiah. But obviously, you know, we were wrong, right? Be careful with our mentality and our ideas of success. We are not being successful by the numbers. We're not being successful by the responses. We are successful if we're following Jesus crucified the great failure.
who died out of love to save humanity. We're following the inspiration of men like Maximilian Kolbe, like Blessed Conchita, who lifted high the cross. So I, I leave you with these thoughts, how important it is to value the importance of the hidden, of the daily crucifixion, and believe in the power of God. May the Lord bless you.